0: You're listening to Cortez Community Radio, CKTZ 89.5 FM. I'm D. Clark, and this is Cortez Currents, which you can also access in text form at cortezcurrents.ca. This is a Cortez Currents news update on recent events at Ferry Creek. I'm Dee Clark, and I'll be speaking with Kathleen Code. Kathy Code is a spokesperson for the Rainforest Flying Squad and the Land Defenders Protecting the Old Growth Forests at Ferry Creek. She founded the legal team and is also a member of their media team. Since joining in August 2020, she's worked closely with Elder Bill Jones to understand the situation of the Pachidat First Nation and their interactions with industrial forest company Teal Jones and the NDP government. I asked Kathy to provide our listeners with an update on events at Ferry Creek this fall.
1: So what's been going on since October, Justice Thompson at one point did lift the injunction saying that the behavior of the RCMP was of concern to him, and the fact also that they had exclusion zones that were far from industrial logging sites, and as well as their arrests and, and treatment of media was of special concern to him. Since then, no, the injunction has been reinstated by the Court of Appeal pending their decision. We had a two-day hearing with them, so that decision is now pending. Judging from the the remarks of some of the justices, it seems that they're probably not thinking along the same lines as Justice Thompson, that for them the, the overriding issue is that Teal Jones has legal contract with government and is therefore allowed to log regardless of what that looks like. And regardless of the external and very public issues that that are affected by that. We're thinking that the courts might retain their conservative point of view on this. So we are kind of preparing for that. In the meantime though, there's been a lot of other things going on. So we have have organizations like the Elders for the Ancient Forests who are a, a magnificent force in and of themselves who this past weekend laid themselves down on the roads of Granite, Maine, and and were arrested by the RCMP.
0: Yes, I understand that 10 elders and a couple of forest defenders were arrested in that incident.
1: Cheryl is one of the elders who participated in the recent action at Granite, Maine, at Ferry Creek this past weekend. I just want to read you what Cheryl has to say. Cheryl, age 63, says... I realize we have to stand in the way of the extinction of these trees. What I want government to remember is that people matter more than corporations and that being willfully blind will literally end us. So I think that's an amazing statement. So those kinds of actions are continuing as well. There was a procession in Victoria. And November 24th that went through the streets of Victoria and it ended up in the legislature grounds where they installed a 1200 year old cookie on the lawn as a gift to the MLAs and to John Horgan, a reminder of what our forests used to look like and and what they used to be and what we need to protect. There are so few of those trees left. This particular cookie was actually found in the rubbish heap uh, slash burn pile that Teal Jones had had gathered that would eventually have been burned as trash.
0: I have heard that the forest defenders have been pushed back out of the woods uh, towards the public road.
1: Yes, we have been pushed back further down to the road. We do have a a camp still at roadside and we have managed to uh, regain some ground uh, a little further up the road. So we still have a presence there and the numbers change on a regular basis. It's hard to know how many people are there at any given time, but it is still a presence and we intend to maintain that, you know, and I really have to admire those people who are willing to withstand the weather of the winter months of BC up there in the hills because it really is very much colder than it is in in most of the urban centers, so I really have to admire the stamina and endurance and passion of those people. In recent months, we are certainly experiencing the support of other First Nations in efforts at, at Ferry Creek, where we've had elders, matriarchs and chiefs coming from Quatsino, from, some, from Kamloops, from Haida Gwaii, from different different bands all around the province who are coming to stand with Elder Bill and his stance uh, for Ferry Creek.
0: And speaking of indigenous solidarity, it seems like there were two stories at Ferry Creek from a journalist's point of view. One was the perilous state of our forests and the attempt to protect them, you know, the logging versus reality contest on the ground. And the other thing that hit the press was the very poor police conduct at Ferry Creek their mistreatment of Indigenous youth in particular. So is there any follow-up on that? Have complaints been filed? Is there an update? When we
1: started, we thought we were just protecting some trees. You know, and now we've had to go into the, the, the whole issue of First Nations and their ownership and title and sovereignty to the land. And now the, the conduct of the RCMP, which even the courts have been dismayed at. Yes, we have filed many formal complaints with the Citizen Review and Complaint Commission. That is an independent body, independent of the RCMP that is supposed to review these complaints. Their standard of investigation is rather high. You have to suffer some really significant physical harm for them to investigate anything. And what we've discovered now is that there have been so many complaints that have been filed with the commission that the commission has actually established a, a Ferry Creek Blockade Commission to, to review these. And But they put the RCMP in charge. So, so that, that kind of defeats the whole purpose of an independent body, a body independent of the RCMP to investigate these complaints. And now they put the RCMP in charge of the complaints. So that just seems to me, you know, slightly more than misguided. So I, I think we all know what the outcome of that one will be. So I might as well not even bother.
0: Oh, wait a minute. You have this Independent Citizen Oversight Commission so concerned about Ferry Creek, they set up a special group to consider it, but then they hand the file over to the RCMP for an internal investigation?
1: Yes, yes, that's precisely
0: it. That, that's a headline in its own right.
1: I know, the mind boggles.
0: Do you feel there's any connection between the police response at Ferry Creek and the, the heavy paramilitary police actions at Wet'suwet'en?
1: Oh, definitely. In fact, some of those officers are the same officers who attended Ferry Creek. So they all just flew up there when the when the injunction was lifted. I think many of them flew up to Wet'suwet and then, you know, complete with their assault rifles and tracking dogs and, and went up there to wreak havoc on those people. To, to me, this this speaks to the whole issue of civil disobedience within this country, within Canada, where peaceful protest is a chartered right. So we have the right to do that. And yet government has developed these militarized units within the RCMP says otherwise, It says no, you cannot practice civil disobedience, especially if you're indigenous. And I really hope this is something that the courts do look at. You know, we have seen a glimmer of hope with Justice Thompson's decision to lift the injunction on the basis of RCMP behavior. But for government, Or for law enforcement authorities to allow this type of behavior on peaceful Canadian citizens, on on peaceful Indigenous peoples, is just not right. I mean, I would never have thought as a Canadian citizen that I would be speaking so badly and thinking so badly of the RCMP in my lifetime.
0: Yes. It seems to me that some of this stuff is in violation of the Constitution. So now your group has gone from defending trees to defending free speech and the right to protest and peaceable assembly.
1: As, along with media access, we've had one journalist who's been all over the world practicing his business and says only in China has he encountered such opposition to, to law enforcement letting him get his job done.
0: I have read a little bit about a special task force within the RCMP that was created specifically to intimidate and control environmental protesters. I think they call them the green guys. Do you know anything about this?
1: Yes, uh, they're a group called the, innocuously enough, called the Community Industry Response Group. But in reality, they are a, a militarized tactical unit that I think are practicing their techniques first on Ferry Creek and then taking those practices up to Wet'suwet'en for some more enforcement practices. So corporations are acting together to use these militarized tactical RCMP units to protect industry then, the assets of industry and the ability of industry to continue exploiting natural resources. We have to remember, that many of these resources are on the unceded lands of Indigenous peoples. There are no treaties. Technically, this is not even crown land. Government treats it as crown land, but Indigenous peoples still have rights entitled to it. I'm not so sure it's a constitutional thing, but I think it would certainly be part of the UN um, Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. And we do have a couple or several Canadian cases then that do uphold Indigenous uh, sovereignty titles and rights. So we have already established that in Canadian law. And yet, you know, Canadian government is busy ignoring that on both the the provincial and federal levels. So I read the Forest Revenue Sharing Agreement. I read the Agreement in Principle, which is the step five and the six-step treaty process, to find out where they are in the treaty process. These are agreements that it turned out that neither Elder Bill or his people had ever seen, let alone been consulted on. They Had no idea that these agreements were being signed on their behalf by their elected council. And yet the provincial government and the federal governments were signing their signatures to them despite a, a despicable lack of actual free prior and informed consent. So I think there's a lot of work to be done there.
0: A lot of people, I think, were confused by the government's deferral move and all that fancy footwork they did. Is logging of old growth still happening at Ferry Creek under existing permits? Are those ancient trees still being taken down?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yes, we, they're in the process of logging helicamp now, what we called helicamp. So that old growth forest is in the process of being logged as fast as they can so any any pre-approved cut blocks for for which they have approval from government they are busy clear-cutting those and they I believe they've gotten to a good many of them and they are applying for new cut blocks on an ongoing basis so government has no intention of stopping these approvals you know they talk about deferrals when it came to deferring the lands of uh, the forests in Ferry Creek and in TFL 46, they um, deferred nothing of the forest for which we were actively protecting. Those forests remained at risk. So Teal
0: Jones is free to cut those. So this deferral, um, what did it actually defer?
1: It did defer many of the hectares that were already under under some sort of loose protection called the old growth management area and some wildlife habitat areas, those were included in the deferral area. So those were already under some form of protection, although government and industry are able to play shell games with those to, to swap out patches so that they can still get at the old growth forest.
0: I think you're answering one of my main questions, which was, whether the province is moving any closer to protecting our old growth? Sounds like the answer is basically not at all.
1: Not at all. I mean, even with this deferral process that they've given to the First Nations to to provide them 30 days to decide whether they want to defer old growth forests that they have defined on the maps. From what I've heard from the forestry experts who have had a look at them, the maps are very poor. They don't indicate all of the old growth areas they're not complete there's big gaps in there and some of the deferral areas do have active cut blocks in them and some of them are cut blocks that have been sold by bc timber sales and so those cuts are still going ahead so they are still counted as part of the deferral area but the cutting is going ahead and then to give first nations 30 days to make these decisions. That, that just seems to be so egregious that it would be very difficult for anybody to have a look at these maps and, and see what exactly is going on. And then to, to ground truth that information, that would certainly take more than 30 days. So again, I think this is a, another example of government not consulting with First Nations, but sort of handing over some sort of responsibility without having to do any of the groundwork. And from what I've heard, this may only be rumour, but I've heard that the industrial logging companies are trying to make deals then with the First Nations Mm -hmm. who have been offered these deferral deals. So that doesn't seem to me very progressive, very equitable.
0: it sounds like it's also calculated to cause dissent and division within those First Nations communities because some folks may be tempted by the money and others will want to defend their ancestral territory, so it seems like a good way to stir up trouble.
1: Yes, and I think it's another example of this talk and log, because while, while we're still all discussing this, the logging is still continuing. And right now, you know, according to the Holt Price and Doust report, uh, the last stand for biodiversity, we don't have very much of this high productive old growth forest left. You know, from what I understand, every hectare counts now. Every hectare is of old growth holds so much in terms of biodiversity in life and, and is part of this complex system of which we really know so little. And yet government and industry are so willing to destroy it all before we even have a chance to study it. We've had scientists go into Fairy Creek and document all sorts of rare and protected species. So these are all things, and we've made government aware of this, and it hasn't made the slightest dent in their approach at all. They are still intent on clear cutting the trees.
0: And yet even elected politicians, like our own Michelle Babchuk are starting to admit that this has to change. On December 1st, the Campbell River Mirror ran a statement from her office, actually connecting logging practices to flooding to fires, to landslides. She references a Sierra Club report and actually says, and I quote, it's not just about not cutting down a tree. It's about the ecosystem and the watersheds. And that seemed like quite a change uh, for a B.C. politician from a logging town to be saying this.
1: Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. We we cannot continue in this fashion to clear cut We need a completely new forestry framework about how we conduct forestry in this province. We've done the clear cutting for so long, and I know that there's a lot of registered professional foresters who swear by this, that all you have to do is replant tree (laughs) plantations and everything's cool. Well, that's not the case. We need to understand the complexity of these old growth stands more thoroughly, and we need to protect them and we need to, restore what we can Uh, Mm -hmm. we simply cannot continue clear cutting and conducting forestry as we have been doing for the last decades loggers have known this for decades they have known that the end is coming so it shouldn't be any surprise to them but they are so eager I think knowing that these are the last days that they are so eager to get everything out that they can right now while they can while government is allowing them this time
0: so I'm going to ask you about that fairly common allegation from the logging lobby which is that the forest defenders are a bunch of outside agitators that they take foreign money that a lot of the protesters are not even from BC. Yeah there's
1: there is there is criticism from the industrial forest companies that we are a group of activists that are funded internationally and that to have have a lot of foreign influence. To that, I say, well, you know, we we accept, you know, funds from anybody. We're an equitable and equal opportunity organization, but we are locally based and we are very proud of the way that our people have supported this organization through their particular expertise and, and talents and money. What we're finding, though, is that the industrial logging companies are often owned by foreign investors who live offshore and really don't care about what happens to BC once the forests have been ravaged. They don't care. They're going on to the next forest, wherever they can find that.
0: So do the forest defenders have any goal or strategy for this winter? After what seems like a pretty disingenuous government response, a lot of window dressing but no actual progress, a lot of people read the headlines about deferral and said, Yay, the forest defenders won, it's all gonna be okay, but clearly that's not true. So what's the next move?
1: Yeah, I mean we will we will continue our presence on the ground, you know, and fortified by people like like the elders, bless them for everything that they do for us. We will we will continue a number of, of legal options through the courts, including the injunction that we are looking at other possibilities as well. We have a strong media presence. We will continue to use that to pressure government into doing the right thing. We, we have a number of angles. We also know that the Teal Jones 10 year review is coming up and that includes a public consultation. So we, we are we are waiting for that. We will make sure that we are part of that public consultation. So there are, there are a number of avenues, and we are searching for anything and everything that we can do. We are also in solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en and have provided them with a, with a $15,000 donation then towards their efforts. And, and several of our people have gone up there to, to stand with them as well. Yeah, and, and, you know, the courts have recognized that that we, the people of Ferry Creek and the Rainforest Flying Squad, we are peaceful nature we have adhered to our code of conduct that we address things with songs and drums and we have done our very best to maintain this as a peaceful movement and i think that has got us as far as we have gone you know that that has been to our our credit that we have managed this for so long in the face of of RCMP actions in the face of government inaction. I'm just very proud of our movement and, and all of the goodness that, that this has brought out in the citizens of BC
0: and, and of the world. Can listeners who feel strongly about this issue support your effort in some way?
1: There are certainly many ways, you know, regardless of whether you're here on the ground or whether you're, you're further afield, there is many ways. I mean, if you're in BC, certainly contact your MLA's. The MLA's have been curiously silent on this issue for the most part, just simply towing the party line and messaging, which I think is unacceptable if they are to truly represent their constituents. You can donate then to our our Ferry Creek fundraiser. We have a number of fundraisers that that support everything from from the people living in the camps to our legal actions, to the people who are being arrested and charged with fines. So we're making sure that we're taking care of our people on all fronts. You know, write to your local papers, form solidarity groups in your neighborhood. There are now many communities throughout BC that are deciding to protect their own forests. There are many you know, First Nations groups who are now saying enough is enough. You, you know, get off of our land. This is our land and we will protect it as we have for millennia. Enough of, enough of the destruction. We We can't stand any more of it. So I think the, there are so many ways that people can, can do things either in their own community or to help Ferry Creek directly.
0: Is it easy to donate?
1: If you go to Last Stand for Forests, the website, you'll find the fundraising link there as well. Or just Google Fairy Creek fundraiser or Rainforest Flying Squad or mm-hmm. something along that line. Eventually you'll get there, I think.
0: Well, thank you, Kathleen, very much for taking the time to give us this update.
1: Yes, you too, yes, a delightful interview. Thank you so much.
0: You've just been listening to an interview with Kathleen Code, spokesperson for the Rainforest Flying Squad and the Fairy Creek protesters, bringing us up to date on recent news from Fairy Creek. Just a reminder, the views and opinions heard on this program are not endorsed by Cortez Community Radio, its board, its staff, its membership, or any granting agency, but are those of the writer, producer, and guests. And, as always, thanks for listening.